This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Step number four. Again, not here to talk about any systems, but you'll understand what I'm saying in a second. Step number four is never label yourself. Never label yourself. If you go online today, there are hundreds, maybe thousands of different Demartini and 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 you you could call yourself after birds, eagles, and and owls and ostriches and all these different like ways of classifying yourself. There's numbers. Oh, you're you're a number. There's letters. Oh, you're an E personality. You're B personality. There's all these different ways of classifying ourselves and putting ourselves into little boxes. Because when something's in a box, it's very easy to like like grasp with your hand. Like, oh, this person is like this. And because they're like this, I know what to expect and I feel very comfortable around them. I remember I'm a forensic accountant. So put all your stereotypes aside. Okay, don't, don't judge me for a second. A few years ago, I went to a conference where there were maybe 2,500, maybe 3,000 forensic accountants. Huge conference with forensic accountants. And I figured that all forensic accountants were somewhat similar, right? You're going to walk into a room, a bunch of nerds with like pocket protectors with like 14 pencil sticking out of it like oh what's your name here's my business card you know and I remember when I walked into the conference the first guy I saw was a guy he had a mohawk he was probably in his 90s he was wearing a biker jacket like from like you know one of these clubs like these biker clubs whose name we shall not mention okay wearing like chains coming down the side of his pants and wearing wearing motorcycle boots and he walks right into the conference like right in front of me I was like this guy's a forensic accountant no way in, under the sun. It doesn't make any sense, right? And then as people were introducing themselves and as they were talking, you heard very interesting, this guy's a musician, this guy's a photographer, this guy's a builder, this guy, everyone has their hobbies, their interests, who they are and who, it's such a diverse, nobody gambled. Nobody gambled because accountants don't gamble or a little bit uh, conservative. So there are certain stereotypes, but what we tend to do with ourselves within our own lives is that we create labels. And we think some people who are accomplished, they got there because they're an alpha personality, they're an A personality. This guy, if he would join the Navy SEALs, he would be a Navy SEAL sniper. But me, I would be the driver on the truck that's driving the bread to the... We have like everything all planned out in our brain. But it's not true. You can break the mold. And to literally, literally tomorrow, you want to become a graphic designer? You could. You want to become an accountant? You could. If you want to break out of who you are, you could. But if you label yourself, you say, I, I'm, I don't keep Shabbos, I cut, I, I'm depressed, I have anxiety. You label yourself, you put yourself into a certain box, then you will live within that box because you've given other people the keys. So I live in this box, this is who I am. And then the whole world just looks at me as this is who I am because that's how I tell people. But if you say to yourself, why should I label myself and put myself into one specific thing? I can be anything. Tomorrow I can change. You can change. Live on the East Coast, you can move out to the West Coast. Tomorrow morning, you can change. You can do anything you want to do. If you want to break out of the mold that you're currently living in, you could. I remember many years ago, a friend of mine went in to talk to Rabbi Yitzchak Berkowitz, my Rebbe. And he came in and he sat down. And the way it works by Rabbi Rabbi Berkowitz is he has three types of meetings. He has three-minute meetings. He has walks that are about five minutes. And then he has long meetings, which are 15-minute meetings. Okay? So when you come into a three-minute meeting, you measure your words very, very carefully because you don't have a lot of time to talk. 
So you come in, hi, Revi, this is the question, <laughs> you know, like you just blurt it out, usually gets to the heart of it, like within a few seconds, gives you your answer, and then you move on. And this guy sits down and he says, Revi, my wife is lazy. What should I do about that? That was his question. Hi, Revi, my wife is lazy. What should I do about that? Now, many people, when they go out of those meetings with Rabbi Berkowitz, they turn to their friends and they tell him, you know, what, what Rabbi Berkowitz said. And it becomes sort of like this Messiah, like this was Rabbi Berkowitz's answer to this question. And they compiled many, 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 they still do, compile many of those answers so that other people who have similar questions are able to like learn from those answers. This guy told me, he asked his question, took him eight seconds. Rabbi, what should I do? My wife is lazy. Rabbi Berkowitz said, lazy? Lazy? You just summed up her whole life as lazy? That's, that's who your wife is? All of her history, all of her potential, everything about her is lazy? That's how you just, you shot up your whole, your whole life, your whole wife, your whole wife's life as lazy? That's where I broke with this question to him for two minutes and 49 seconds. And then the timer rang and Rebekah said, your wife's not lazy. And the guy left. Three minutes on the clock. We, we put ourselves in boxes. Eh, if I need a, a flyer made, somebody else will make it. I need this one, somebody else will do it. Eh, another program, somebody else will do it. Why not you? Why not you? Why can't we break out of this box that we've locked ourselves into? So step number four, don't label yourself. Don't put yourself into a box. Don't say, I, don't say this is who I am. And therefore, I'm going to leave everything else for the rest of the people. Step number five, very interesting concept. Takes a little bit of emuna and bitachon. Excuse me. But if you master this, this is something which, halavai, we should all get there. I would say that this is probably a lifelong journey. But again, if you get there, pretty amazing. Most of us, we look for the light at the end of the tunnel. We're waiting for that rainbow over the horizon to tell us whenever we face challenges, oh, it's true that you face the challenge. It's true. But, ta-da, this is why it happened. We're waiting for that moment, that aha moment, to tell us, you know why you went through this? This is why you went through it. We're waiting for that proverbial like gold at the end of the rainbow, you know, like this is why it all happened. But this news for you, it's not always like that in life. And to take this a step further, something that we've mentioned originally in the beginning, we actually said something, which we said maybe a little bit too fast. And let's talk about it here. Very often, the reason why we go through challenges is not because of the end result. The end result means absolutely nothing. The purpose of the journey through the tunnel is not for the light at the end of the tunnel. It's simply to see how you handled the journey. The tunnel is the purpose. The challenge is the purpose. You're right now going through a test to see how you're going to come out of this. Are you gonna get angry or are you gonna be okay? Are you going to believe that this is somehow changing you for the better? Or are you going to allow this to change you for the worse? The journey itself is the purpose of what you're going through. You're going through this because 
Hashem wants to see how does this person react to this situation? Why? Why? Because we said already before that mahu afata. If kaviyachal, we could say that Hashem is sitting in Shemayim looking down at us and in a childish way, like when, when children do something against their father in heaven, he gets upset at us, right? Like in a childish way of understanding Hashem. But we said Hashem doesn't do that. He's Hashem, Hashem. Hashem before the, before the chait is Hashem after the chait. Hashem is saival. He, he holds so many things. He doesn't care about them. He's, he holds his own emotions in check, right? Okay. So how do we hold our own emotions in check when we go through a struggle? The only reason you dated that guy for 12 times, he said, oh, by the way, I'm proposing on Thursday. And then he never called you back. What? Are you kidding me? What? It's crazy. Okay, it's, it's a joke. It's a prank. He's going to come back later. No. It's to see how you will handle crazy disappointment. Crazy disappointment. It's literally just to see how you'll handle this. It's the only reason. There's no purpose other than to see how you'll handle it. And how you handle it, if you handle it the right way, your neshama will grow a little bit more like its source which is Hashem. Just like Hashem goes through so many things and is unaffected, you've now trained yourself to go through so many hardships, disappointments, and not be affected. Yes, that was challenging. You know what you need to do that? Some confidence. You need to be somebody that's not wishy-washy, not being just pulled this way and that way. But if you're able to get yourself to step one and recognize that, very often you'll be going through things that are crazy, tumultuous, and you'll just sit back and be like, so funny so funny the whole purpose here is for me to, to just go through this the, the whole purpose here is just for me to laugh like ah, i see what's going on you are testing me that's it oh it's a test it's not about it's not about what the outcome will be it's just about passing it so all i need to do to pass this whole saga is just to sit back and smile and laugh oh yeah i can do that i can do that you will see that you will be able to do that when you recognize that that's what you are currently going through, then anything above and beyond that, which actually comes back to serve you as something good, like something good came out of this. This guy goes to you after 12 dates and you're like, oh my gosh, what in the world is this guy doing to me? Oh, oh this is a test. Fine, 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 fine. And by the way, you know what came out of this whole thing? Whatever comes out of that whole thing is just a cherry on top. Because if you were able to hold it together through that test, if you were able to, that was the purpose of why you went through this. That's it. Could be some point later in your life that Mida will help you out. But the idea that many times what we are actually going through is simply there because this is what you need to go through, that in itself is oftentimes a nechama and it's a realization that it's not the light at the end of the tunnel, but it's the tunnel itself. Okay? Step number six. Every single person, no matter what your challenge is, no matter what your challenge is, you should know that you could face your challenge and you could beat your challenge. We tell ourselves, I can't. And that's the biggest lie that we tell ourselves. I hear this from people daily, multiple times a day. People call me up. Hi, I'm having it. I can't do this. I can't go on. I can't calm down. I can't look at my husband. I can't go home. I can't. Why can't you? I can't. I hear this from people all the time. There's somebody called me for like a number of years. 
At one point I said to them, you realize, you know how many times you told me I can't, but you can? Viharaya, you did. You do it every time. You always say, I can't do this. But then you do it. You can accomplish. You can get through whatever you're going through. It's that we tell ourselves we can't, thinking that that's somehow going to make it stop. Because when we're kids, if let's say your mother says, could you set the table? I can't. I hear my foot. So many times your mother's like, oh, you can't? Okay, fine. So then you don't have to. Oh, that works. If I say I can't, then I don't have to. In life, it's not like that. You can't say I can't because the one who's giving you the test knows that you can. So you have to say to yourself, I can. And not only can I, I can exceed at this. I have everything within my power to overcome whatever test I'm going through. And when you go through that test, it'll be easier because you know I could do this. How? Okay, now you have to figure that out. But you can overcome any challenge that is thrown your way. Hashem gives you that ability. I remember when I was um, in ninth grade, go, uh, we had to go to Minyan in Yeshiva. Girls don't understand the struggle. I, I have five older sisters. So I always used to say that it's just, it's like life is just not fair. Like girls, Shabbos afternoon, they get up like, one o'clock they come in for kiddish like rubbing their eyes like oh i slept 18 hours it wasn't long enough you know like boys have to go to go get up early in the morning from for minion and go to shul and i always used to be slightly jealous and ninth grade for me was was a challenge it was hard and they they keep uh you know i don't think girls will understand this and girls go, i want a guy who goes to minion okay fine fine yeah but it's a challenge for many guys it's a challenge for me it was a challenge in ninth grade and what happened was um Ninth grade came, and I could tell you many, many conversations that I had with uh, members of the authority who uh, informed me of my lack of attendance at Minion. And I was like, thank you. I'm aware. Okay? It's not easy to get up at 6.45 in the morning to go in the 12 degree below zero mile walk to catch the bus. It's hard. Okay? It's difficult. Anyways, the end of ninth grade, somebody offered me a job in 10th grade to be in charge of the sixth, seventh, and eighth grade daveners, like the kids who come to the show then to daven. So I believe for them it was, I don't think it was mandatory. I'm not sure. Whatever. But they had like these minyanim for, for younger kids. They needed somebody to like be like the monitor, the minion monitor. Okay. It was, it was cool in those days. Okay. So, um, and I made $40 a month. So they were offering this job, a very well-paying um, position. Um, I'd like to say I was part of the Anhal of the yeshiva for a little bit. And basically, you know, my job was to show up there and all the kids who domined well, they got a ticket, like a good ticket, you know, like that got you into like raffles. Um, and the kids that didn't, they, uh, they had to, they had to deal with me after davening. Basically that was my position. So, um, so at the end of ninth grade, when I was contemplating this huge milestone in my life of being offered this position, I sat down with a, with a certain certain Adam Gadol, like a very wise man. And I said to him, what do you think about me taking this job? And he said, well, if you know you have this job, will you show up to Minion? I said, yeah, I, I mean, a job is a job, right? You're not going to like miss the job. And everyone's waiting, of course. Like, yeah, I said, for sure, no question. So he said, then you should take the job. And I was like, well, well, maybe the reason I'm going to, the, to Minion then is only because... Uh, I'm going to make $40 or maybe because I'm going to be embarrassed if I met, I had like all my reasons why I shouldn't take the job. And he was like, take the job, take the job. Okay. This is very good for you. And I can tell you that for many years in, in 10th grade, 11th grade, I believe 12th grade also, 
I had this job and I made considerable amount of money and I, um, and I never miss minion, like never, never miss minion. Why? Because in ninth grade, every morning when I woke up, I was like, again, and then I'll just roll over. Right. I'll just roll over. <laughs> okay. I'll deal with the consequences later. I can't, I just can't do it. It's not for me. I can't, can't do it. But when I had an achrayas, I had to. There's no, I can't anymore. That's it. So then you make, you make the bus, even though it's 6.45 in the morning, even though you know three kids are showing up because it's a blizzard. You have a job. You have to. When you have that attitude that I can, whatever challenge I'm going through, I can't just, can't just opt out. There's no, there's no, you can't just pull the cord and just drop out. You have to do this. It gives you a certain oomph and you know that you're, that you're, able, that you're able to do that. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.